Support for the Jersey Joe Corner podcast comes from Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin safe technology so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past and don't use the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your balls that's just nasty manscaped also has the cropped preserver and anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer You already put the deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code B-I-G-H-E-A-D-S, all caps, at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BIGHEADS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use Big Heads, capital B I G H E A D S. Hello everybody, welcome to the Jersey Joe Corner. It is brought to you by Big Heads Media. It is going to be a great hockey season uh, coming right up. A lot of interesting things. Uh, Anchor.fm will help you uh, start your podcast and get things rolling. It's going to be a lot smoother when you uh, when you get the Anchor app and it's so much easier to navigate. Even their online website at anchor.fm is very efficient and you can do a lot of great things with it. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are brought to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. Hello, everybody, Devils fans, hockey fans. This is your host, Jersey Joe and Jersey Jim here after Thanksgiving weekend. We are back and better than ever. And 
It's as good as gravy, except for the last game that was not gravy. It was just a waste of uh, turkey parts and everything. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, it was a it was a lost weekend outside of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving wasn't ruined this year. I mean, it's always a good holiday, but when the Devils were playing and you didn't know what to expect coming into the game, but they salvaged Thanksgiving, but then they have a poor effort against the Rangers, which we'll get to in a little bit. Well, I will put it this way. The Devils looked fantastic. I don't say that every single time when they have a win, but they certainly had their uh, their turkey legs and they had their uh, their their dark meat ready and their looked fantastic. I yeah. Mean, what else could you ask for on a win in uh, in Montreal? Yeah, I mean, it was a great game for them. I mean, the thing is, though, the history is against the Canadians over the last nine games, Devils are 7-0-2. So, I mean, not really a surprise the Devils won there. I mean, and now Montreal's on an eight-game losing streak. So, that was, <clears throat> at the time, was six games. And the Devils had were thankful part of two of those um, wins or winless streak for the Canadians. So, but then, but then you come home, you play a team that plays the night before and then you just completely stink up the joint. Stinking up the joint. I mean, do you need a plumber for that one? I think the John pretty much leaks. If you have a clown, uh, I can't fix the way this team is mangled all together with piping. It really is. I mean, it was an embarrassment on Saturday afternoon. I mean, one nothing for two periods. I mean, but then you give up two shorthanded goals and one on a five-minute power play in the third period. Like, I, I, I was just scratching my head. I'm like, what is going on here? I mean, I was done putting my bedroom, like, back together with my new bed and all that, and I just couldn't believe, like, I was just – I felt so dumbfounded. Like, I was staring at my TV. I was like, how how can it get any worse under this coach, under this penalty, on this power play, and the penalty kill altogether in one day? It's a, it's a triple shot of vodka gone wrong. And those shots just are killing you. Yeah, it it's really killing, is. It's killing the fan base right now. The mojo is, like, dumbed down after – the next loss or losses after a win. Yeah, it's – I mean, they win two, then they lose three, they win a game, then they lose. I mean, it's a big stretch here. You got Buffalo, Vegas, Blackhawks. I mean, it's a big stretch of games right there. And it's just, you know, you don't know what you're going to expect game to game. I mean, Buffalo, you could play well. But last time they were there, it was a 7-2 beatdown. Vegas tomorrow coming in. They're playing the Rangers tonight, but they could annihilate you on home ice. And in Chicago, you don't know what you're getting. I mean, but the Devils seem to always play well against Chicago for some reason. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be a lot of fixing on the way, you know, Speaking of fixing, we, we got to talk about those coaches that, you know, we were just talking about off air. Um, I know I had mentioned a dark horse kind of publicly, but he hasn't been really well spoken of since more than a year ago with certain players that were drafted. I kind of gave it away, but kind of 
cryptically spoken about. Yeah, I mean, look, there's something's gotta something's gotta be done because. The voice is just not, the message isn't getting clearly through, and it's not getting through to players anymore. I, you can see that. And it, and it doesn't matter how many things you change, you try to change, you move. If the message isn't getting there and the room is lost, then the players don't want to play. And you, you've seen that. You saw that in, um, in Toronto. And you can. On Babcock. On Babcock. And. Now it it feels like that. I wonder what this team would be like if they decided to make the coaching change and ACP. Yeah, and remove John Hines as their head coach because I bet you get some players that be wanting to play. Well, you said to me from the source. 60% of the room has turned against them. Yes. Meanwhile, the other 40% hasn't really said anything. They're not, on, on, you know, it was, a, it was a, you know, kind of anonymous poll kind of thing. But it really wasn't. I mean, he was, you know, he's getting feelers. I mean, some answers he didn't get. But I, I be, but from my person that I've talked with that, the room, 60% of the room, just isn't buying what this guy's selling anymore. I can see it from day one. Like, I still can't comprehend why he got an extension. I just can't. I mean, it, it's, it's hurt the team in the standings. It's hurt Taylor Hall's mindset. Uh, Hall, at, as himself, he only has one power play goal out of 10 power play points on this power play. I know he leads with 10 on the team in the power play points, but it's not enough. I mean, there's only three, four other guys like Wayne Simmons, who's going to be traded. I can guarantee 60% of that stock price is going up when he gets traded. All right. So you want to, you want to play a little game then later on, or maybe a game. Or, or are we going to play – or we could do it later, but we could play a game. There's a thing on – the thing on TSN Overdrive called Jerry's Percentages where they, they put out the percentage of what likely is or isn't going to happen, and it's done by Jerry, a.k.a. Gary Bettman, in a voice. It's really great. <laughs> if, if you guys have not – if you haven't if you haven't heard it, you need to hear Jerry's Percentages. It's great. So I'm not going to rip off Jerry's Percentages, but if I had to put a percentage – on Wayne Simmons being traded at the deadline, I would put it at 75% because I just, I, I see it happen. This team isn't going anywhere. And you're, all right, so we're past American Thanksgiving. This is what Ken Holland says is the point of where if you're in the playoffs, you're going to make the playoffs. Devils aren't even close to sniffing the playoffs. They're sniffing the bottom of the, the league again. Top five, top ten, easily. Right, so... Got to start looking to see, all right, assets. Who's getting traded? Does a coaching change need to happen, which still astonishes me that it hasn't been done yet. But then again, they're looking for somebody maybe if if they do make the move, is how who are they looking at on an interim basis or are they going to look more long-term? But I agree. You, myself, and Tyler have all been on the same page since the beginning. It's astonishing 
that this guy got a contract extension for doing absolutely nothing. Doing nothing is not something. In, in this day and age, I mean, with the smartphones that are around a clubhouse and the voices that can be spoken both on and off the ice, you know, did you see that post-game interview with Taylor Hall about how did that get out there? I didn't tell, I didn't say anything or something along the lines of that. I mean, anyone could go on YouTube, look at the post-game raw video on the Devils YouTube, and I can guarantee you he he didn't know anything about having a trade being made public. Yeah, well, guess what? From the beginning of this season, and I reposted it, and I might pin it on my Twitter for our fellow fans. But there was an article I did entitled, Did the Devils Do Enough to Keep Taylor Hall? And in there, I talk about what he says and how he says it. He's like, oh, well, you know, it's between my agent and Ray Shiro. Well, no, it's not. Clearly, your play on the ice is determining and showing everybody that you don't want to be here anymore. I've seen it time in, time out, where he's just wanted to be more of a playmaker than even when he does hit, let's say, eight posts and a crossbar. You know, he's kind of like in between the other moves that he's doing. He does, it's, He's just rushing his way out in that make-or-break contract year. And to me, statistically and, you know, eye test-wise, he doesn't look like $11 million. He looks more like $7 million. I am sorry, Taylor Hall, if I was your agent, you really aren't worth your grain of salt. I am sorry. I just can't. I mean, I love you the day that you came to New Jersey, but the way you're playing now, you know, mind games and everything, the fan base is right about you. I'm sorry. I mean, look, the writing was on the wall clearly in July. And if people thought he was staying, they were out of their minds. Because Ray Shiro does all this stuff to bring in talent. And was it the right talent? I don't know. Was it? But, but there's talent there. And when you bring in talent, well, okay. Well, now ball's in your court. Oh, well, there's no contract extension. Well, I called out my general manager and at the end of the season, wait, oh, he did all this stuff. Oh, well, I don't think it's good enough, so I don't want to be here anyway. Well, okay, so why don't you just come out and say it instead of letting your play say it for you? It's, it's crushing. Like, you know, the first three games that I went to this year, like watching him, like, skate and all that, you know, I mean, he just doesn't look like he just want. He doesn't want to be part of the, the near and short term. I know my buddy Jake Wakeley up in uh, Ontario, says to me, you know, basically the writing is on the wall, but like, you know, we're not making playoffs and might as well trade him. And he goes, I'm if I was his age, you know, I still want to get traded to a team that's going to win. Okay, if you do get to that team that's going to go to the Stanley Cup, how are you going to play for them? Are you going to? be a team player? Are you going to, you know, sulk the way you did? Are you going to moan and groan all the time? That's not going to do you any good. It, you're going to fall short of a stamp. And we, the fans, in New 
because we had enough of them already. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, there are places that he can go and that he can fit. And and he, I know he wants to win. Everybody wants to win. But sometimes it doesn't happen. For a lot of great players, it doesn't happen. And the, but sometimes you get on a team, but you but you learn to change, you learn to adapt. And the Brad Marchand said, "I saw a quote yesterday when I was watching the Canadians Bruins game, and he said, you know, the quote in the locker room was, you know, guys want to make their money. You're not going to do it here. We have nothing against you guys making money, but you're not going to do it. That's straight out of the Patriot locker room." The guys take team-friendly deals to win, and they put a winner together. The Devils have pieces in place to be successful, but you have to trim the fat and trim the garbage that, that doesn't want to play for you. And you looking back on the team's history, I harp on it all the time. Name me a superstar that was on this team when they won. I mean, you could say Stefan Richet as a trade or maybe Joe Neuendijk or any of those yeah, players. Yeah, but Joe Neuendijk was that's past only his a prime. Few. But Neuendijk was past his prime when he was here. Stevens and Niedermeyer on the back end, I can argue that and Brodeur was your goalie. But offensively, these guys played as a team. They brought into a system. Right now, guys don't know where they're playing. They don't understand what's going on. And they, it looks like it's just free-for-all out there. And also, like, when you throw in John Hines, who blends things up constantly, podcast in, podcast out, game in, game out, it is like the same story over and over, unless you leave, like, the Coleman, Gusev, Zajac line together. Which is, again, staying together for this game. I would hope Bokvist plays the rest of the year. And let's get back to the the subject of changing the coach. So my dark horse, you, you can agree or disagree. Jump in when you want. Uh-huh. Okay, we talked about a certain prospect. We talked about Jack Hughes in the past. I watched Team USA's USA development team. For the under-18s, you look at Zgrass, you look at Boldy, you look at Jack Hughes, you look at Tyler Parsons, uh, and Spencer Knight. I mean, Spencer Knight, you know, being one last year. Uh, you look at Coach John Rublevsky. He has a more updated version to what, you know, team USA hockey players have that go – trending upward towards the college game and in the NHL level. So John Hines was a factor from the old guard of the USA NTDP program and college hockey, but you're getting a different guy from a newer generation of hockey in USA and John Robleski. You have a guy who understands what Cole Caulfield thinks, keeping those lines together with Jack. You have Boldy. Zgrass, if you trade Taylor Hall to Montreal and you name Roblevsky the coach, you have some potential Team USA players that would like to sign 
or possibly play in New Jersey because of him. I could see it. I could. Unfortunately, I think this team needs more of an established coach. Can't go down another route of John Hine, which Robleski is similar to what Sheldon Keefe is doing. But Keefe, again, had the experience in the AHL. He was He's Dubas' right-hand guy for all purpose sake. Um, I could see... I could see a guy like Dan Bilesma come in in here because they like the the Penguins thing so much. I mean, it's not a bad choice, but I think they won't want to go with somebody who's been established and has won <clears throat> in the league and who's been in it and understands it. And maybe just can adapt and change a little bit more than what Hines is doing. Now, my first pick would obviously be Patrick Elias. He's a man who understands the current game of the NHL. He knows what it's like to be in the locker room. He understands what fans know on and off the ice that they wanted to know from a coach. They understand what a legend is like. And Patrick can relate to players in multiple languages, which is – Great because he spoke with Gusev, and I know you kind of moaned and groaned about that, but hey, at least Gusev's looking a lot better on a two-way game than he did before. Yeah, I mean, look, that, the, the players have raved about Patrick Elias when he's helped out with practice or been in the room or been around the team because he's been there. He's a winner. He knows what it takes. He understands what it takes. guy like Gusev's understanding to play a two-way game. But the others are, and, and the others aren't getting it. And and I would love to have Elias there. I personally would like to have him as an assistant behind somebody, along with a Steven, because then Elias can work the offense, Stevens can work the defense, and you can mold ideas together, similar to what they had at Oates and Stevens. And so, who is Elias? Your first pick? Um, I would as a what as a head coach. As a head coach. I could see him being a head coach someday. But I don't know if this management staff sees him as a head coach, similar to what happened with Scott Stevens. I personally would love to see him because he's done great work. But I, like I said, I think he might be more relegated to an assistant. So... Let's say tomorrow, Hines and Kowalski and Nazardine get canned. Who are your three guys that you're bringing in? It's up to me. Up to me. It is up to you. If it's up to me, three guys I'm bringing in. Oates, Eliash, and Stevens. And if, Steve, and if Stevens doesn't want to travel, okay, just do home games. You know who I bring in who might be a good substitute if uh, we do need a new power play coach? You have to bring in Joff Ward from Calgary. Speak with Calgary. See if he wants to come back to New Jersey. He did successful in the 2011-2012 season. They've been slacking ever since him and the other guy left. It's... 
and it's not been the same. I mean, I mean the problem is Calgary's probably going to want to test board out for the rest of the season to see if he can be a uh, a head coach in the National Hockey League. So he's the interim coach right now with the Flames after the whole Bill Peters situation. So I could he's probably going to be there till the end of the year. I mean, if you could figure out a way to bring him back, that's great because I think he was he was good. But again, it's a lot of repairs that has to be done because don't forget Ward was an a, was a uh, was with the Bruins. Was a, but he's a Lou guy. He was with Lou brought him in. Like Oates was a Lou guy. Stevens was a Lou guy, and Stevens was on track to take the head coaching position, but but you know, Shiro. And the management staff felt that, you know, he didn't deserve it, which I think was wrong because they need to make an apology to him and get him back in the fold too because he can fix this defense. I feel they certainly need a guy of Stevens's uh, DNA and his mindset. I just – it pains me to think about every time there's a huge letdown, especially those two shorthanded goals. I mean – Sammy Vodden should have stayed on his one side, shouldn't have committed to the opposite side chasing Lemieux. I'm talking about Brennan Lemieux, the son of Claude. So any of your listeners that are listening, yeah, there's a lot of kids of former NHLers that are in today's game. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at the pairings tonight too. Like, so we got Green and Severson together. Botnin and Subban are playing together, and then Tennyson and Butcher. All right, whatever. I mean, lefty righty combos. Yeah, I mean, you know, Botnin could be that guy that could play with Subban, but because he he knows, hey, I, you know, let this guy just do whatever, and I could just gotta stay home. But it's you know, it, it's gonna be tough because you know, Louis Domingue's playing. He didn't have a bad outing the other the other game he played in. But again, you don't know. Last time Devils Buffalo was route seven two, so and Blackwood was in that. Yeah, but Blackwood was coming off the back to back. He came in for Schneider. Yeah, that, that's correct because I was at the game versus Winnipeg. Yeah, so he was... you just we're hoping to see that he's, you know, he's he's rested, ready despite a crazy Sunday massacre, if you want to call it that. I mean, he didn't play bad. It's not like he played bad. No, it's not him. It's the, it's the, it's how his support system, I'm talking about how his forwards in front of Gusev left him vulnerable against the wall where Gusev fell and he lost control of a puck. And, you know, everyone mispinched and, that's when the the odd man rush came. Yeah, and then you give up. Then you give up the breakaway and the shorthanded goal on a five minute power play. I mean, that's just stuff that can't happen. Your power play went zero for eight. Like that's terrible. Go back nine power plays ago to Montreal. We were all celebrating. Yeah, devil scoring power plays. They 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 kind of figured it out, but apparently they didn't figure it out. So they ba- they basically puked out the eggnog just now. Yeah, they did. They really really did. And it's, you know, 
it's just so much up and down. Uh, it's crazy. Like it's it's just so inconsistent, and only to have nine wins entering December, that's not good. It's. It, I saw someone out on Twitter post. I forgot who it was, but he said that it was worse than John McClain levels. Yeah, but they but they decided that they wanted to can McClain. They were like, "All right, it's done. We got to just figure." It. They're like, "All right, we're pulling the plug on him like right away." We're like, there was no salvaging the season. There was no, oh, let's see, maybe he can do something. No, it was. All right, we're pulling the shoot, and they got rid of him. Right, and you go from there. I mean, you have so many things that have to be fitting parts, and if you just start with Hines, you could replace him with. I don't want to say Mark Dennehy, but it it'd likely be Nazardine. Yeah, I mean, so it'd be somebody on the bench. It would be on, unless. Unless they decide we're gonna they're gonna pull Lou and they put Tom Fitzgerald behind a bench. They could do that for a little bit, but they're gonna have to get like a Guy Boucher. Yeah, who's, they was one of the other guys I spoke about. And and I think this is the problem. They gotta either they either if they're gonna fire him, they're gonna go all the way and fire him, or if they fire him, they're gonna put a name an interim guy and then just go find somebody. Yeah, you never know if you strike lightning like I don't want to say the blues but like the Islanders did with Doug Waite. Yeah, I mean, look, the Blues, you know, everybody forgets, like everybody looks at the end result, but when they made their coaching change in November, they still were losing. It took them about a month or two before they got clicking again under Barube. So it's not like he came in and the magic was there. Not not all Gloria broke loose then. Right. So it took them some time. But with the Devils, when you have expectations coming into a season and you're not living up to those expectations. It really you, it, it really hurts the season ticket holders. It hurts the fans. It hurts the writers. Well, it, maybe indirectly, but. Uh, yeah, but you want to see the team do well. When you, you don't want to always be talking about the negative or fighting off the negative. You want to write, write some positive. But it's hard to put a positive on a spin on things when night in and night out, you don't know what you're getting. Like, for instance, one of the positives I will take is that Jesper Bokefist is clicking. Jack Hughes is starting to click. You have, you know, Kyle Palmieri still scoring, you know, all these other core guys are starting to come into their own. But at the same time, I mean, it's great to see Zach is starting to click a little bit. You see Wood showing that he wants to be here, you know. But the negative is that from the coaching to the fourth line and the and the cocktail blending of the of the other lines, it's just doesn't allow that team to gel. No, and look, Bo Quist is coming along, which is really, really good. Good to see him <clears throat> doing that, doing his thing. It stinks that Hughes is out hurt, but you know what? He he looks like he'll be on track for tomorrow night against Vegas. But 
the fact that he, Boquist is getting confidence because he's playing more. And he was like one of those casualties at the beginning of the year. Oh, well, the team didn't do well. Well, all right. Well, he's playing on fourth line. Well, but that's not where – but that's not why you brought him in. You didn't bring him in to be playing on third line, fourth line. He's a top six forward. That's why you brought him here. That's why he stays in the National Hockey League. If you didn't think he was ready, you should have sent him back. And speaking, and speaking of guys that went back, and this is a little segue into somebody I was talking with today. There no. are major regrets sending Ty Smith back to junior. They should. I honestly felt they should have kept him. I mean, let the kid play here. I mean, what he could have at least brought something different to that back end. I honestly, sure he wasn't physically built enough, but you know, on a team that you have so many either unproven players or players that you know, like Tennyson, who he's okay, but he's not great. I mean, he's a sixth, seventh defenseman at best. Ty Smith has a potential to possibly be a top two pairing defenseman who can move the puck, shoot the puck, and think about the game within the game. Exactly. Like, and, and obviously today it was, it was announced that he was invited to World Junior Camp for Team Canada. No surprise. Not surprise at all. He- no, no surprise. But a lot of people, when you were doing projections at the beginning of the year, penciled this kid in for a defensive slot on this team because he was a left shot D that improved that a weak side. And he can bring them something. Now, did he have a, a not his best camp? Probably not. Last year was better. But you're telling me he can't do something more than what this defense is doing now? I'd rather take him than freaking Tennyson at this point. I mean, no offense to him. It's just, you know, it's all about upside and potential and the skill set. I mean – when I watch Ty Smith play, whether it's junior or in, you know, training camp, he's got the skating, he's got the senses, he has the IQ. He ticks off a lot of the boxes. He, he can certainly skate and he can control his own zone. And he just needs a little bit more adversity than just playing in the, the Canadian Hockey League. No offense to the WHL, but he needs more of a challenge. Uh, you don't need to babysit him in the CHL. He he can he needs to grow up in a tougher environment. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it he he's doing what he's doing at the WHL. It's no surprise that he's dominating again. Well, now let's see how that translates to the National Hockey League, and you need players to do that and. You know, like I said, if you if you were going to ride and die with kids this season, you should have just been here. Because it seems that most likely Boquist isn't going back or getting sent down. Hughes obviously wasn't going anywhere. but So you might as well just ride and die with the kids now and see what they got. 
And to think about it, I mean, let's get back onto the Taylor Hall trade ideas. So I'm on cap friendly right now. And I was listening to the Let's Go Devils podcast. They had Rachel Dory, who used to work for the Devils in the analytics department. So she said that uh, on the hockey analytics side that she sees William Nylander as a possible fit for the New Jersey Devils. I mean, this is uh, this is not an unknown secret, and no offense to Rachel Dorian, but um, and not to shoot down on anybody, but I'm going to tell you right now that William Nylander is the odd man out in Toronto whenever they decide to make their move or whatever they're going to do because the day he signed that contract, the day he had that holdout, I knew he wasn't long for the Maple Leafs. So, preface to what I just wanted to let everybody know in because I've been saying it since day one. So, now tell me, do you think if they want to get rid of William Nylander, give the Devils a second rounder and a first and a conditional if Taylor Hall decides to resign with a team like Toronto and they take off that 6962 dollars prob- contract for Taylor the, Hall 6. The thing is, is do the make-beliefs make sense? Yes, they do because they have pieces to do it. However, are they going to want to sign a guy to an, another big long-term contract high money contract. They already have Tavares, Matthews, and Marner locked up for big money deals. They really need to fix that back end. So as much as Nylander would make sense and it would be a good fit because I thought the devil should have traded for him last year when he was in his holdout. I don't know if Toronto's going to want to go down that path because they have guys that they need to resign on that back end. What about Tyson Berry? I I understand there's a conundrum there. And well, the, he's and he and he's had some you know issues with Toronto. The thing is now that Keith's there, you're seeing the old Tyson Barry again. Mike Babcock asked him to play a different way than what he was accustomed to. But now he's paired with Morgan Riley and he's playing like he he like he used to when he was in Colorado. Now, Barry would be a great fit for New Jersey, especially on that back end, because they're going to need a defenseman back in this deal. But he's going to be UFA. Exactly. So do you, are you trading UFA for UFA? I mean, it's not ideal unless you think Barry can want to stay, which if I'm him, I'm probably looking to get money someplace. Or are you looking both for again? you know, conditionals on each side of the table. Right. So, but the problem is, is going to be the Maple Leafs again are going to have to deal with Darren Ferris. Yeah. So, I mean, and I think Dubas has learned that, you know, that he can't just go in there and just give anybody money that he wants. So I was just, Staying on the topic of this, how about so Matt Larkin, talking news, just put out like an article, him. put out an article about the five destinations where Taylor Hall could go. The first one he lists is Carolina Hurricanes. 
Interesting. They, Unless they would... want to part ways with their defenseman. Well, that's what he says. He said Jake Bean, mm-hmm. Dominic Bach, and a first-rounder for Hall. The Devils had a chance to get Dominic Bach in one of those drafts. Jake Bean was also in one of those drafts where the, the Devils could have picked him. Right. So, could there maybe there be a little bit more. <clears throat> I agree with what Jager's saying, and I'm hearing the same thing. If Paul's going... You're getting a first, and you're getting a conditional pick that could become a first. That's the way it's going. Next candidate, which seems to everybody seems to have everybody and agrees that this could be the spot, is Colorado Avalanche. That's who I have. So, obviously, they have a lot of prospects. Talk about Connor Timmons, maybe Samuel Girard. Are you, like able, are you able to grab a guy? Are you able to grab a forward out of them too? Thing is with Colorado, you have Kadri and his contract. Do I really want to be bringing that back? If I, Hall's gonna, if Hall's gonna stay, Hall staying in Colorado. Am I really want if because? And LeBron made a great point on the Athletic this morning. Taylor Hall's a great fit for New Jersey two years from now, but not right now. He's not. And if a team is rebuilding, do they want to be adding a guy like Kadri, or do they want to be adding a more skilled guy? Not to say Kadri isn't skilled, but I think he just fits what Colorado's looking to do right now. I was going to say, I'm currently thinking like Shane Bowers, Bowen Byram, Samuel Girard, Martin Cow as I do well, picks. Well, well, here's the thing. But not every one of them is going to be in that package. The thing is, it would be ideal to get Bowen Byron, but I don't think they're going to be able to swing it because if they keep Byron and McCarr, so it's now Gerard is the odd man out. You have Gerard. I have Gerard. I have Nikita Zadorov. Zadorov, you could bring him back. Martin Kaut. I could see that. Gerard and Shane Bowers. So, I mean, that's not a bad return. Throw in, throw in the twenty twenty first, and then put in the twenty twenty one second rounder as a conditional first. Okay. Because if Colorado resigns Hall, or they do well in the playoffs, that could possibly become a twenty twenty one Devils first rounder in twenty twenty one. So, see, so here's the thing. It's not a, like we can talk about it, and we talk about it with ease. But how easily can it get done? If you look at Mark Stone, who was a pending UFA last year, and it goes back to this, Ottawa was only able to get one prospect out of Vegas for Mark Stone. And then Stone signed his extension with Vegas. I understand they want prospects, but you're also going to need an NHL ready now player. And that's where the dilemma comes in. It's going to be a big dilemma. Right. So another team he, he names is the Dallas Stars. 
not bad. Not bad. He doesn't mention Julius Honka in here. Um, I think he would be an ideal, like, pick. But what are you going to do when, you know, he does come over? How are you going to make room? Right. What about now? Obviously, the Oilers have been linked a lot now because, you know, McDavid, Drysaddle, they ha- they could use him five-on-five power play. I mean, the thing is with the Oilers, you know, who are they going to kill? Yamamoto, Benson, they get Philip Frobert, Evan Bouchard. There's players there. And then, obviously, the last team is the Montreal Canadiens which is an, also an ideal fit because we Cole Caulfield, Suzuki, they have, they have enough there to make him interested. Now, as far as rentals go, I could see Boston doing something, maybe Pittsburgh, St. Louis, maybe even Calgary. So – I want to reiterate on Boston a little bit because I know for one of our listeners, Ron McDonough is a Bruins fan. You cover Boston hockey. Yeah. I heard Tory Krug is going to be a UFA or being moved by the end of the year. Do you think Ray Shiro could possibly sign him? I mean, it all depends. I mean, Krug fits the Bruins so well. But it all depends on what Sweeney wants to do. And look, he just signed Coyle and Wagner to team-friendly contracts. Very, very team-friendly contracts. So, they have the cap space next year to do something with Krug. But, again, you know, McAvoy is going to be coming up after his bridge. They've signed. They've. They've. This is what they do. They build team-friendly deals, and oh, and so like, I did a little bit of a playing around with the Taylor Hall to Colorado. Basically, I didn't want to be over twenty-three or whatever, twenty-four players for Colorado. But I did kind of have to adjust it. So I have Shane Bowers, Samuel Girard, Nikita Zadorov, a twenty twenty first round from Colorado, and a twenty twenty one second rounder uh, from Colorado for Taylor Hall. Yeah, which I think could be the trade. But let's get back to Montreal, though. They have a lot of pieces, you know, in the prospect pool that could be worthwhile but who do you see from the lens from Boston I mean the Boston's got Boston's got guys that that they could swap do they are they gonna are they willing to part to bring in a guy a rental because they're not sure that he's gonna stay that's the key. I mean, look, you I mean you got Trent Frederick, you got Andres Bork, you got Stanika, you got a uh, student, uh, you have, um, who else is there? Zach Senishin. I mean, they have players 
but are they going to want to part with their players in the system? That's the the question. And do are if they do trade for him, do they are they able to sneak out a defenseman out of it? So I'm looking under cap friendly right now. So there's zero projected cap space for the Boston Bruins. Right. Because they have to move somebody on their team. They have a, their 2021st rounder, their second rounder, their third. They don't have a fourth. They have a fifth, a sixth, and a seventh. Devils going to ask for at least two firsts and, and a prospect and possibly a roster player. So you're, you talked about Charlie Coyle's contract is $3.2 million going to $5.2 million going next year. Danton Heinen is a $2.8 million player for the next two seasons. Sean Corrali is a $1.275 million player. Chris Wagner, $1.25 right now. Joachim uh, Nordstrom, $1 million man. Bjork is just under a million. Dabrowski is under nine grand, $900,000, sorry. That he, uh, and he's due for an upgrade. So, yeah, you have – a couple of pieces that are going to be due for paydays. Right, exactly. So, I mean, it's not like they have they have the room to do it. The ideal candidates are Montreal, Colorado. Maybe you could swing maybe St. Louis in there. It just Those destinations make the most sense. Now, going forward, I know Matt Grizelchik, I know they call Grizzlick. Yeah, Matt Grizzlick, yeah. But he's a left-handed defenseman. He's only $1.4 million. Shearer likes RFAs. Do you see him or any other Bruins defender that might not be in the team's long term or whatever? Maybe Connor Clifton? Well, I mean, like, yeah. So, Cliffy Hockey. So, Cliffy Hockey just played in his 60th NHL regular season game. Which means now if he... If he were to get sent to the AHL, he has to clear waivers to do it. He might not be able to be have to have a Jersey boy come home, but he's more of a you know bottom, he's you know bottom pairing defenseman. Um, but he better than he's, Tennyson. But he's a he's an upgrade to what the Devils have. Grizzlick is a nice piece. It all again it all factors in on what Krug does and how they make it work, and then how the cap next year projects because if the cap goes up they're able to keep everybody if it isn't then they have to figure out who's moving do they move Krug out do they value Grizzly over Krug or do they value Krug more over Grizzly and so I'm looking at the non-roster forwards and non-roster defense so I'm going to name some of the forwards first you tell me who you think the devil should be looking into? I uh, you mentioned Frederick. There's Pavel Shen. There's Oscar Steen, Cameron Hughes, Jakob Lakel, uh, Jack Stonichka, uh, Jano Kopanen, Ryan Fitzgerald, uh, Brendan Gauntz, Peter Chelarik. You have Paul Carey. What do you think of any of those non-roster forwards? I mean, like I said, I think I, I, pers- I mean, like it's just, 
guys I've seen play. I I like Frederick. I, I've been a fan of his. Um, I like what he's doing. Brings to the table. Um, again, I I talked with him this year, so I I hope he does well. Um, you know, when Senna Shin was called up, he produced. You know, Andres Bork's producing for them. So I mean, they do have. They, there is depth in that organization. And real quick to stay on the Bruins, it was funny because I was talking with a buddy of mine yesterday. And uh, he, you know, we were talking about, you know, what makes the Bruins so good. And sorry to get into a tangent, and I know it's a devil's podcast, <laughs> but. We're talking about trade partners. But we're talking about trade partners. But, but it's interesting to see that how the, the Bruins have that same system throughout their. Um, you know, their farm, farm their farm system. And my buddy's like, well, don't all the teams do that? Well, I said, well, you would think, right? Said, he's like, yeah. But the difference, you, you have to realize the difference with the Bruins is when they have developmental camp, their developmental staff is running developmental camp. The head coach is there, but it's Jay Leach. It's um, Jay Pendoff. It's it's Jamie Langebrun. The, the develop- former Devils. The former guys, those guys are there and they're telling <clears throat> This is what you have to expect when you come to the NHL and they all know where to go, how to slot in, and how to play. It was really interesting. And so one of the other uh, defensemen that I, I have my eye on, a couple of them, uh, Erho Vakanainen. He's a good and player. Jacob Zaburl. I I think if Taylor Hall is in a package or part of like a Boston package, Vaka Nainen or and or Zaborl might be included. I could see it. They're I both RFAs. Vaka Nainen is an RFA until twenty twenty two of July first. So I mean it, again, there's pieces there. Again, but again, it all depends on cap and on who, who they value, how they value, who they can pay. And I'm guessing if with a new TV contract coming up, not too not too far from now, I'm guessing the cap can go up to 83 million right now. It could. I mean, it all depends on on how the TV contract is uh done and side note it's probably going to be similar to what the nfl does nfl you meaning big money like extra big well big money but also with the nfl you notice it's not just one network it's multiple networks it's multiple networks now because they have abc and several other well it's espn it's fox it's cbs it's nbc Fox and CBS get the regional games. NBC and ESPN have their national games. But each of them, but the but Fox, NBC, and, and CBS rotate the Super Bowl. But they always have playoffs on. What I'm saying mm-hmm. is the NBC NBC will still be like the head thing like for the-, the National Hockey League. But don't be surprised if ESPN picks up games. For television, not just for their es, not just what they do, what they simulcast, broadcast on ESPN Plus. 
because I noticed that they started doing those ESPN Plus things because nowadays uh, I hate to sound more like a business person on this part. This is like when Bob Iger of Disney gets that Disney Plus. I know a lot of young families like my sister out in California that has a Disney Plus and you know, my brother-in-law loves ESPN for football and all that. Um, I would like to see more of the hockey content come back to ESPN, but in a more high definition, big money contract that could give the NHL its bigger revenue. Yeah. It would be great to see it back on ESPN so they could be talking about it more. I mean, look, in the crease on ESPN Plus is great. It's better than NHL tonight. I hate to say it. Linda Cohen and Barry Melrose do a great job. John and John Butchergrass too. I don't mind uh, Melrose, but I do like Butchergrass though. I mean, I always remember Pierre LeBron used to be with ESPN. Yeah, so those guys, it it, it would just it it's definitely leaning that way. I don't know if the NHL wants to lock itself into one broadcast partner anymore because the times are changing yes times are not only changing but people are reading and watching more different outlets i know they expanded their coverage to hulu and all the other outlets and especially if they can get something like a like documentaries on netflix i think it would expand more horizons they had there was hockey content from Canada on my Netflix that I used to watch the Don Cherry story. Yeah. So, and it was about the wrath of grapes. And, you know, I think if you get more of those kinds of hockey content onto those major hubs, not just, you know, during the hockey season, but the off season, people like you and I, and maybe younger families who are craving hockey stuff will want to have it more often. Yeah. And, I would like to see some things different, like not just like because then, all right. So you have NBC that gives you Sunday games, it gives you the Wednesday night games, occasional games during the week. But if you had ESPN, you could roll the entire week. You could have a nationally televised game besides your local broadcast. I'm actually going to look up how much that uh, that NFL TV deal was. Because I want to get an idea, figures-wise, because let's just say it was $350 million more than what the NHL is getting. You add that to the hockey-related revenue altogether, that, that's like a total shares outstanding of what – okay, so it says, as of February 2019, per Wikipedia, I think – okay, just be on the safe side, they said – each team receives $255 million annually from the league's television contracts, up 150% from $99.9 million in 2010. Yeah, and, I mean, their, their new contract is huge. It, okay, let's say it's $255 million. Let's split that by 31 teams currently. That would be a huge cap. Okay. So, the NFL's national TV deal with ESPN is worth $15.2 billion from 2014 to 2021. 
The NFL as a whole generated more than twelve billion dollars in U.S. revenue in twenty fifteen. It was yeah, it was a lucrative like twenty seven billion dollar deal. It's ridiculous. It was some stupid number that. Granted, the NHL could not. I mean, they could get a big number too. I mean, they got a huge number with their their last NBC deal and their Sportsnet deal, but I think they're gonna want to go back to what they had before. It just makes the most sense. Because I was just doing two hundred fifty-five million divided by thirty-one. You're looking at eight million two hundred twenty-five thousand eight hundred six dollars easily per team added on to what was it uh 81.5 million i mean that's a huge increase yeah it's a very big increase very big so that would but, that would put you at mathematically 89 million seven hundred twenty-five thousand eight hundred six dollars and 45 cents american it's a good it's a good day that's a great day because that means Taylor Hall will easily get his money regardless. Uh, Ray Shearer will have more money to play with to give other outstanding contracts. You you can play with the numbers 24-7. And look at the $76.722634 million the Devils have. That's like thirteen, more than $13 million in cash. Yeah. I mean, it's it would be awesome to see and have that, um, but again, that's far down the road. That that's something there. The NHL, PA, all that's they're they're looking into that stuff. But so we shift from there. We get back to the ice, and you know, again tonight, got Buffalo, got Vegas tomorrow, back to back. Obviously, Blackwood's gonna start tomorrow. Makes sense. Um, you know, Chicago on Friday. My buddy, big big time Blackhawks fan from Vermont and then they play in Nashville. So it's a busy week. So they go on the road on Saturday for four games. Um, but you know, right now we're focused on Buffalo, Chicago and Vegas, not in that order. It's, it's Buffalo, Vegas, Chicago. So two of those games are at home. But right now we're focusing on the Buffalo Sabres, Sabres, you know, Olafson was one of those guys who's absolutely having a outstanding season so far. From mo- mo- and most of his goals on a power play. That's that's just crazy. I it's, mean, it's ridiculous. I've never seen a guy like that rip. Like he, I don't. I think he has a minimum amount of points on on five on five, but his power play numbers are ridiculous. Looking. Um, so reiterating on power play percentage. Okay, I'm going to look at – I know this is going to probably scare some people, but Sabres are actually 17.8%. That's 19th out of 31 NHL teams. And their penalty kill is 74.7%. So if anyone's at home right now listening to this, I mean – just looking at the 74.7, that's 29th, which kind of gives the Devils a little bit of a, a favorability because the Devils are 77.1 in the, in the penalty kill. 
but still the Devils have the edge on that. Yeah, and I mean, neither power, neither. I mean, the Devils penalty kill and power play need to be totally upgraded. But anyway, um, you know, so the Devils are going to keep Nikita Gusev, Coleman, and Zajac together. Seems like the only line that's producing. I mean, look, Coleman has six goals, uh, six goals, six points in four games. He's got four goals and two assists over that time. But the guy you got to watch out for is Sabres captain, Jack Eichel. Yeah, like Six, what, four four goals in a game? He's got 16 points in a nine-game point streak, eight goals, eight assists. Um, he's just a beast. I mean, Marcus Johansson, former devil, got to watch out for him. He's, he's He burned the devils in that second game, in that first meeting of the season, where Gusev just didn't know how to defend. Yeah. Um, then you got obviously Skinner. You got to watch out for Sam Reinhardt. Skinner, uh, Casey Middlestad, VC. You know all these guys. Obviously, your boy on the back end. You like Jake McCabe. I like um, him. Miller. Uh, Rista Line, and and then obviously it's going to be. Um, it looks like Olmark's going to start for the. What? Sabres tonight. And they oh, and here's a little quick stat note of the night. Olofsson has a point in ten of his past twelve games. And Gusev has three points in or three assists in his past two games. Those are your two forwards to watch for. And I do think Buffalo is a good dark horse for Taylor Hall. I mean, you have some players defensively that could belong in a doubles uniform. I mean, you've you've talked about McCabe, you talked about Colin Miller. Uh, two guys I could see coming here. Um, all right, over over under one point for Nico Heischer tonight since he's got four assists in his past five games. He's yeah, he's starting to like connect with his line mates. I know Jack is not playing. You know, big. That's a big blow for them tonight again. Because he would easily close down an Eichel or a, or a middle stat. Because talking about segueing back to the TBSA hockey, when middle stat was in his uh, his draft year, he certainly was one of the best forwards since like Phil Kessel. But it wasn't. But it was it was Hughes and and Caulfield breaking all them records. Yeah, they did, and it was actually against the Green Bay Gamblers of last season. And I also remember Capocaco at the same time had another historic night on that same night or that same week because I was on Twitter during that time just seeing what was going on because I knew the wheels for the double season were falling off. Uh, not to make a Jerome Bettis reference. You know, the wheels on a big bus. I know, but what's happened to – Dustin Bufflin, I mean, if they could figure out that conundrum with that contract, maybe Winnipeg is another dark horse for I mean, Taylor Hall. I mean, Winnipeg, look, they, they're figuring things out right now, too. It stinks because Nathan Beaulieu, the guy who, who helped that backhand settle down, is out again. So that's a big blow for them. But you never know. You don't know. It's It's interesting because – you listen to all this stuff, right, about Hall, and you think, all right, what's, when's the, the, the most sense to trade him? Is it at the deadline? 
Well, if a team really wants him, the, they're gonna they're gonna try to get to him now because you want to have as much time to have him like acclimate to your system. I think I think you're absolutely right. If here's the thing, teams are probably talking with their upper brasses right now, talking with their scouts, saying, "Who do we want to do surgery with? Do we want to?" pull this guy out do we want that person you know is this person going to fit well there you know will will this hurt our future or are we mortgaging too much just to get taylor hall or do we just want to win this darn stanley cup right i mean it i mean everybody wants to win the stanley cup that's that makes the most sense but how you get there i mean look if St. Louis listened to all their fans last year. They wouldn't have won the Stanley Cup. Petrangelo would be gone. Tarasenko would have been gone. But they rode, they've, they've righted the ship. The problem is the Eastern Conference teams are separating themselves from the pack. And you don't have the luxury like you did last year when I keep harping on this. If teams in the West last year knew how to close games out, St. Louis doesn't even make the playoffs. And he said that's one of out of 100 years. Right. So there's a reason why it doesn't happen every year. Because teams need to close down on certain teams right then and there, game in, game out, be consistent. But there wasn't any other consistency that allowed the St. Louis Blues to march in and then they can blast glory the whole freaking time ever they, since they turned things around in Philadelphia. They've, they've, they've figured it out, right? But they were a playoff team on paper before the beginning of the year when they added Ryan O'Reilly. They were a playoff team. They just didn't get off to a great start. Well, the New Jersey Devils are not off to a great start. Are not off to a great start. On paper... <laughs> On paper, you. thank you. On paper, this year, they had the potential to contend for a playoff spot. Unfortunately, but, things are not going the way everybody wants them to. And it goes back to the first game. Your first game of the year, I hate to keep harping on this, sets well, the tone of the season. It was a WTF moment. Right. You're up 4 nothing. You can't win, but whatever. And I honestly like feel like if there was some sort of okay, let me talk about the not just the fans, but also the season ticket holders. And for those of you who are starting to receive any messages via email, via phone call from the Devils, you have the right to speak your mind because you. I've said this to Abby Mastrocco. Fans speak, fans speak their minds, especially season ticket holders. Season ticket holders are shareholders. You give the team money. If you speak up like they did versus the Rangers in that tough loss, saying fire Hines, if you make your voices heard constantly, you know, not just at the game, but also when they message you, you know, tell them how you honestly feel like – 
say, you know, the, the, the dysfunctionality of what's going on is making you not want to sign up. And if you don't speak up, there's not going to be any action done ASAP. You, you want to be a true fan? Speak up. Yeah, exactly. Just a real, real quick, um, just some things on Twitter I'm seeing. Um, in regards to this whole thing, you know, people getting on Shiro, people getting on everything. The one, the one constant throughout this whole mess has been John Hines. One of the writers, um, for uh, the hockey writers, um, Alex Shivansi. It's not. It's not a hundred percent Shiro's fault. This is where it's gotten with Hall, but his biggest mistake has been hanging on to Hines this long. Accurate. I I uh, I have a lot of respect for that. A hundred percent accurate. He says his next point in his thread is given the move Shiro made this offseason, Hines's leash should have been shorter than what it's gotten. There was no excuse to still o four and two, and look what they did. And look the way they did in the process. I just, I just honestly feel like, where, where is the sanity in this? I mean, we're here to bring sanity, like once again, but there needs to be changed. A lot of voices are being said via Twitter, via Facebook. You know, you look at even other Devils fan-run podcasts. There is a lot of chatter amongst. You know, the faithful. I'm calling them the faithful because they want to see change. They want to see success. They want to see us back to the glory days. And I know my one friend, we were at the, the Devil's Lightning game, and he wanted to ask Daniel when we're going to get back to the glory days. He goes, and I just remember Daniel having that tough, hard breath. I mean, you just, I knew he was feeling the pain, you know, just talking about it. It's just, it, it's, these hard growing pains we shouldn't have to go through because we could easily change coaching staff that could change mindset. Yeah. I mean, look, I don't know when the glory days are going to come back. People got spoiled. We did. Cause I mean, my parents went through the lean years, the lean, I'm talking lean years when they first came in the eighties, eighties, you got the playoff run in 88. But then they started, things started to turn. Somebody brought this up to me. Despite, despite the three cups the Devils won, they lost in the first round a lot with a good team. Second round one year, first round. So they missed the playoffs. They lose second-round Rangers. First round in Pittsburgh, first round in Ottawa. Those two years, 98-99, they were dominating. 2000, they were bringing this point. This was a point that was being made up on, on um, Sirius XM. They talk about the Islanders and what Lou's been doing. If Lou saw there was a problem and there wasn't, and it didn't matter when it was, you were gone. Robbie Fitork was fired with seven games left. The Devils were above 500. They were way above 500. But they weren't performing. You're fired. Larry Robinson comes in with a Stanley Cup. It's, it's crazy to see, like, 
there's no like instant, you know, how do I put this? Responsibility. There ne- there needs to be an onus on the the coaching staff ASAP. If you know another Ranger like game happens, there's no reason to hold on to him. I mean, this is what his four and a half season right now. I mean, a coach is a a person who helps you with the strategy before during and after the game. And if you can't get your players put in position to work the penalty kill, work five on five, et cetera, different facets of the game, then I don't know what are you doing there in the first place other than collecting a paycheck. Yeah, I mean, we've said this before. I think Hines was able to do less with more. He doesn't know how to do more with – he doesn't know how to do more. How does it – you know how to do more with more um, because there's talent there. And I don't, I don't know if he understands how to manipulate it. I think it's the same issue that Babcock had. He wanted a team built a certain way, but Dubas didn't do it. Though, not to say that Shiro and Hines aren't on the same page, but Shiro made these adjustments to make this team better. And they're supposed to play fast. And I keep telling, texting you this. You need to be playing fast, attacking hockey. Well, that needs to work. That needs to be done every game. We don't change opponent to opponent. You it have to, to play a constant. Ha- constant. Time and space. Limit your opponent's time and space. That's why the Devils were so good in 2012. We went to the Stanley Cup final. Because when you had defenders like Salvador back then, you had Mark Fraser. Not not Fraser. I mean, Mark Fain. Sorry. Sorry, I didn't mean Fraser. But Fain, at least he was able to play the puck, separate, you know, the other opponents from getting too close. You had, if I recall correctly, Volchenkov. Yes. Yeah, Volchenkov was a big physical body. He could, he could definitely block shots. And you also had Ryan Carter, who was a good two-way presence, scrappy little guy who could get to the high danger zone. And you know what? We, we actually see a lot of high danger hockey that the, the doubles fours have. It's just that the problem is when you're passing it along the boards and you get it to the defenseman, the defenseman passes it back and forth, and you're not shooting it right away to the mid-low danger zone, how in the Sam Hill is this team going to score high-danger hockey? They're not. You're not. You're not going to score in a high-danger area. And it's, it's, just, it's just hard to see. And something needs to change. And obviously, if, if the coach doesn't want to change, the way he's doing things, then maybe it's time to t- change the coach. And I think it's time to bring up Nathan Bastion. Did you see the way he had three block shots in a row? He, I mean, look, he he blocked three great shots. Look, when they brought up Sini, I said, eh, Sini, right, you know, good. He's got a lot of goals. Big deal. But if he's not put in the right situation, he's not going to succeed. 
And it's the same thing. Bastion can succeed because his style of play is more of a third, fourth-line player. Same with McLeod. Those two guys can fit a third or fourth line. And those two Mississauga boys can definitely be a good third, fourth line on the team. Also, like, adding the the size and physicality of a Brian Boyle, you know, Bastion brings that younger style of that type of forward. He can be a power forward, and he can be that in-your-face guy. Yeah. And that's what is missing, is that heart and soul type player. And if I were coaching the Devils right now, I would absolutely be happy to have Nathan Bashan on my bottom bottom third, fourth line. No, no doubt about it. No doubts. No, I have no doubts. I, I could see that. I would still leave the Gusev, Coleman, Zajac line the way it is. If Hughes comes back, put him on the same line. And if Hall is traded, maybe you're able to sneak in one or two guys to the next line below. And maybe Benji guy. Yeah. Because you don't want to have Hughes and Heischer on the same line. No, I I think I think it's time. That's where I think I think um, I think it's time to make a change up there. But but it's crazy. It really is crazy to see what's going on. You know, Penguins got a lot of injuries. They just signed Stephen Nason to a two way um, deal today because Patrick Hornquist got injured again. Oh, so he's with uh, so he's with Pittsburgh now. Yeah. And then just to see, you know, just to, real quick before we get out of here, because um, a lot of people know I have a personal connection with uh, Keith Kincaid. Um, so he got put on waivers today um, with Montreal. And it's fine. I mean, look, Canadians want him to go play down in the AHL, build up his confidence. It's fine. But when his record is one one and four, he's got points in every game he's played in except one. He wasn't a problem in Montreal. The defense. They have a lot they have a lot of problems that that were exposed over an eight game losing streak. They want him to play more. Great. There were plenty of times to play him against opponents. He kept him in every game. I thought he was a fantastic signing for Montreal this year. I I think he got the short end of the stick, honestly. I mean, I know last year I kind of grew old of Keith in that because Blackwood stole the show. Yeah. But now that Corey's in bingo, you have to bring up someone else. I mean, I'm thankful for Louis Domingue, but he he's not the answer. He's either. not the answer either. But it's probably Keith Kincaid who's going to come back and be the backup. Look, I mean, look, Keith Kincaid, like, he could be claimed before tomorrow. I think there are teams out there that could go after him. I personally, I watched a lot of his games this year. I saw his game on Saturday against Philly. The goal Provorov scored in overtime, there's nothing he could have done. He gave his team a chance to win. They just can't score. The game against the Devils, where they lost 3-1, he did everything. Again, 
and possibly there was a game against Minnesota too that he played well enough to win, but Montreal couldn't figure out how to play. It just seems like anytime he is on a team that doesn't have any sort of defense, you know, he gets burnt rather easily than anything else. I mean, it's been a reoccurring theme that, you know, the defense on the coaching staff just can't hold accountable. And it goes to show that the strategy has not adapted since the 2017-2018 season. So it's it's crazy. It, it's crazy. It's crazy because in this age of fast attacking supportive hockey, you know, you need to change your strategy. When you don't do that, you know, you're going to get burnt constantly. Like we talk about the game versus the Rangers. The Buffalo game is another one. Nashville could do it. I mean, I mean, Vegas tomorrow, they could annihilate the Devils on home ice. Except last year, even when the team was hot garbage, at least they could play Vegas one-to-one almost. At least, look, you knew this. When the Devils were bad last year, you knew the teams they would play well against. And they would play well against them. This year, you have no idea. But teams with William Carlson-type center, left wingers, whatever you want to think of them, they have a lot of speed skill and they, they're very good at deceiving you and that's one of the problems that you know when you don't build chemistry on all four lines you can't build the chemistry and deceive other teams and that's what kills things at the end of the day is you kill other teams momentum and you frustrate the team easily but now it's been frustrating ourselves Yeah, it's. I mean, everybody's just frustrated. I think, I think everybody just wants to change, and everybody needs to be. And everything. I think just there's something, it's not clicking, and I think just people are ready for a change, and they're looking for something new. I and whatever that is, it is. I just sense, what when there's the season ticket renewals and all that stuff, I mean. You talk to any doubles fan, you talk to any ticket holder about things like that. You tell them, give them the calm ultimatum. Tell them you're not going to re-sign your, your tickets for the next season because you don't believe in the coaching staff. You want Ray to pull the plug eventually on certain personnel. And also you want to see the best return on investment for Taylor Hall that would help benefit the Devils near and long term. And you want and you want to do the patriotic thing in that sense of it, being smart with those assets. So if we can get a coach that understands what the fans want and the ownership wants, you know, it's a smart business move. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, look, we got we got hockey and what? A couple hours, Devils, Buffalo. At be 9 p.m. if I'm correct, if I'm correct. At 9 no, p.m.? Seven, so, 9 p.m. Not, I mean 7. 9 p.m. game seven. tonight. That that's good. Yeah, I I think I would have been able to catch the trade. No, it's it's 7ish. 
It's seven. Uh, Rangers tonight, seven. Islanders, all three locals in action. Uh, and then on the network tonight, Blues, Blackhawks. Um, that should be a fun one. Just to clear things up for people, the the reason why I said die is because I I feel like because it's so dark out right now, because yeah, it's because, late because it's you know uh, day, it's day it's uh, one hour less of daylight. I feel like it's nine p.m. right now. So I mean, it does feel like nine p.m. right now. I'm not gonna lie, it does feel like it. I mean, and it if, does look like it too, and it feels like you know. It's, it feels like we're like out the the woods of Minnesota or something, like right next to Bigfoot. Well, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy with Bigfoot. You gotta get you gotta get hauled to Bigfoot because you don't want to get beat up. He's gonna want he's gonna want those assets anyway. Yeah, Bigfoot always wants some assets. Yeah, B- hey Bigfoot, if you want if you want some beef jerky, it better be Alberto's beef jerky. But, you know, um, love me that, yeah. But, so, but, but if uh, if Bigfoot wants something to clean up, you, you got to get your help with Manscaped. Yeah, Manscaped, baby. You know, it's Cyber Monday, so you know what that means. Got to use that promo code. Big Heads, B I G H E A D S, capital letters. You get twenty percent off on Manscaped.com. Supporting the Jersey Joe Corner podcast with Jim and I. Absolutely, remember Cyber Monday. Use the big, use the big heads as a promo code. Excuse me, I'm getting <laughs> choked up a little bit. <laughs> Cyber Monday or anytime, twenty percent off. Use the code Big Heads, all caps, at Manscape. Support the show, show some love. We bring you the best content from around the NHL. And don't be afraid to voice message us or reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're all on social media. So if if you're at home or abroad and you download a few episodes at a time, don't be afraid to give us uh, a like on YouTube. Give us a nice rating on Apple Podcasts. A lot of listeners on Apple Podcasts that I've noticed – even on Anchor.fm and Spotify. Spotify. So, idea for you. Don't know if you're around. I'm around right now. Well, later in the week. <laughs> oh, okay. On the fourth. After the two games, so tonight and tomorrow, we do a little recap and we preview the weekend. That that's gonna be the next one going forward. That way we keep track of our notes. Jersey Joe's already done twelve out of the thirty-one first round mock draft picks. I, I you guys a little ambitious, but I like the work because because my friend, if you're up for it, I know I already got it. But if you're up for it, you want to make the trip Montreal this year. This is the draft. This is the twi- come up with me. It, that that I'm I'm actually thinking about it. Just a th- you you and me. I got some other people calling too, but <laughs> you and me. But when we go to this shit, but when we go there, we we do a little little pre-show, a little post-show that happens at the draft. See what we can talk to. I know when I was there in 2013, I mingled with a lot of draft picks. 
guys taking a second round, some first rounders. It was fun. So I know you're dealing with that, but that's time for now. The time for now is where we talk about our expansion through the U.S. listeners. I actually noticed Nevada, people from Nevada have been listening in Texas. See, you know, they know Nevada, you know, we got Vegas coming up, so. I think it's great that whether you're a Devils fan or not, or someone might be coming a Devils fan regardless, it, 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 it speaks volumes about how the power of entertainment gets everyone together, regardless of how negative or positive. Is you can't just just have the yin, but you need the yang. You need you need the both. Definitely, absolutely, and uh, so with that, I'd like to bid a fair adieu to our listeners. Enjoy the game tonight, and I um hope hopefully the Devils win. Hopefully they win. And I like to say happy holidays to everyone. You have Kwanzaa, you have Hanukkah, you have Christmas coming, and then you have New Year's Eve. So Jim and I might be a little busy in between those holidays, but we're going to try and squeeze in a few here and there during a And crazy- don't forget, and don't forget, everybody, December 26th, December 26th, a little bit away. We'll remind you again. December 26th starts one of the best tournaments in the world. The World Junior Junior Under 18. It's usually No, World Junior Under 21. Under 21. It's under 21. It's a U20. It's a new double IHF World Junior tournament. It's going to be in Czech Republic this year. It's going to be fun. It always is. It begins Boxing Day, which is the day after Christmas. I, I like the idea of Boxing Day. It gives everyone else a chance to celebrate. But exactly, you also got to throw in the fact that when you when USA and Canada play off against each other, it's not it, there's nothing like a true rivalry. It's like you know Canadians and uh, Leafs. It's like Devils versus Rangers, except it's two nations going at each other. And it's always a fun game. So we'll remind you the schedule as it comes up. Um, so nothing else. I think it's time to hit the road. It is time to say goodbye, farewell. Let's go. So devils. long. Let's go, Devils. Peace out, everybody. Peace.